Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Inspired by the World Global Times of Devotion with the Lord. Right now, we're going to be praying. First uh, Timothy 2 from verse 1 says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. We will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Hallelujah. Praise God. Right now we're going to be praying. Still praying for our locality. Hallelujah. And remember we're bringing the, the victories into the local arena. I want to localize our victories. So we're going to be praying for our environment, our states. We're going to be declaring that the knowledge of God's word covers that city as the waters cover the sea. We're going to declare that salvation, the salvation of souls in that area is like never before. Wherever you mention your city, Lagos, Delta, London, wherever you reside, mention that environment, that salvation. The people are going to be receptive to the word of God. They're going to receive salvation like never before. The floodgates are open and there's a huge harvest of souls. Kindly unmute yourself right now as we begin to pray. And the men will live at peace even as they receive salvation. Thank <laughs> you. 
Lord, you are amazing. You are awesome. Linda Villa Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, precious Father. Lizanta Kabakayala Basata. Logra Kabasu. Ushakatayala Basata Kabay. Lord, thank you. Exalt your name, God. Bishakata Yalamandi Kinsutuku Gradika. Lake Rodogobo Shakata Yalamanda. Zika Kakaka Bondi Shipili Gribaya. Yes, hallelujah. A huge harvest of souls in our towns, in our states, hallelujah, in our localities, in our provinces, hallelujah. There's a huge harvest of souls. Leko Sunda Kararabusta. Makaba Sete Kikabarabusta Kabaya. Yeki Kabarabashata Kabaya. On every side, hallelujah. Likrananda Fela Krondo Freke Dizo Monon de Shikidi Bondi Gridika. Many are coming to Christ, hallelujah. Yes, in the name of Jesus, we declare that the scales are off of their eyes, hallelujah. The scales are falling off of their eyes, hallelujah. They are receptive to our message. Yes, hallelujah. From the highest government officials, hallelujah, to the least makasataya, to the organizations, live from the Kronokobosutu, to where we work, Maliko Sutukobaya. They are all flooded with salvation, hallelujah. Makasundo Kobrokobositikibaya. They are flooded with salvation. Lakrondo Frakadela Baya. Masetikibaya. They receive it, hallelujah. And they preach to many. Lekrondo Kronoko. Fregedi Bondo Kronokoboshata. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, in my state. 
in our states, hallelujah, in our locality, in our provinces, we decree and declare every day, every day, such as should be added to the church are added in the name of the Lord Jesus. In their huge numbers, yes, hallelujah, for it is, is the Father's desire, hallelujah, that all men should be saved and come unto the knowledge of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, precious Father. Six billion souls around the world. Six billion souls around the world. Thank you, precious Father. For in Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, depending on what part of the world you are connected at this time. You are welcome to the Inspired by the World Global Times of Devotion with the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you so much, esteemed Amarak, for the opportunity to always lead the saints of God in the prayer of intercession for the nations. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Right now, we're going over to the Rhapsody of Reality segment. Over to you, Esteem Lamarck. Thank you. We're moving forward. Hallelujah. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We are marching forward. Hallelujah. Amen, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Amen, we are making progress, hallelujah. Amen, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Amen, things are getting better, hallelujah. Amen, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Amen. We are getting greater. Hallelujah. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Things are getting better. We are getting greater. We are marching forward. We are making progress. Brothers and sisters, this has been my experience. I've been having daily miracles, daily miracles, daily miracles. Things are indeed getting better. I am making progress. I am moving forward. I'm not where I was yesterday today. I wasn't yesterday where I was the day before. Things are indeed getting better. Remember that when we started this month, we said it's going to be a victory song for us. Ensure that you're singing it every day. I had to set an alarm to remind me to sing this song on a daily basis. And I'm singing it and I'm singing it. I get to share my testimonies, you know. It's just amazing what's happening. Praise God. Praise God, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you so much, esteemed Pastor Deborah, for taking us through the 
perhaps to the, um, the intercessory prayers for the nations, for all men, for all of our leaders around the world. And indeed, we know that things are getting better in every nation. That's because we are praying, praise God. At this time, we're going to take the Rhapsody of Realities devotional. And today is Thursday, the 17th. If you're looking at the screen, you would see the Rhapsody being projected for you. Um, 17th, June, 2021. And the title of today's devotional is A Balanced Life. Our opening test is taken from Colossians 1 and verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increase and increasing in the knowledge of God. I'll take it again. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to pray the prayer above the church. If you guys remember you for our um, daily affirmation, that's the Pauline affirmation. You remember that this particular verse is part of our, our daily affirmation because what we did with the Pauline affirmation is that we took the different Pauline prayers and then we transcribed them into affirmations. And that's what we take on a daily basis. So this is one of the prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church. And this is our daily experience because it is our affirmation. Praise God. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to pray the prayer above for the church, letting us understand God's will for our lives. He prayed that you would walk in the way of true righteousness, pleasing God in all that you do, fruitful and productive, as you mature in the rich experience of knowing him in his fullness. Hallelujah. God wants your life to be fruitful in every good work. With this fruitfulness, he wants you increasing in your epignosis, full, exact, and experiential knowledge of him. Full, exact, and experiential knowledge of him. Um, you know, let me just explain a bit of what this thing, what this means. He said full, he was talking about knowledge, trying to define the word epignosis. He said full knowledge. That is, the knowledge is full. It's not half knowledge. There are people who have half knowledge about certain things about life. They are knowledgeable in a particular area and ignorance in another area. He said exact. That is the exact knowledge, not the, not the twisted knowledge, not the, um, how do I put it, you know, not the knowledge that is messed up with other things, because you can have full knowledge and have other extra knowledge that can corrupt the one that you have. It said the exact, that is the precise, exactly what you need to know. And it said experiential knowledge, knowledge that comes from knowing you know, you, if you're connected here and you're married to someone, you know that there is a knowledge that comes from living with the person and getting to know the person every day. Any other person that is not married to that person doesn't have it. Only the spouse does. So when he says full, exact and experiential knowledge of him, that's what he was trying to say. Say so what a balanced life. For some people, when they become very productive with their work, business or career, they don't have time for God anymore. 
They hardly even study the Bible or participate in church meetings and activities. The more they make progress in their job, the less time they devote to spiritual things. Something is wrong. The life of the Christian is one of ever increasing glory all around success. That is, you are making good progress in your work, your family is doing fine, your children are growing up strong in faith and in righteousness. And at the same time, you are increasing in the knowledge of God, praise God. You know, um, there's this saying that nobody has it all together. And you see, as a child of God, you have to be very careful the things that you are picking. And you see, I want to say this because um, I, I, I see it um, often, you know, in these times that we're in, you know, people try to make a joke about different things, about everything and about anything. And often you find different memes on social media, you know, saying different things. But I, what I want to say is be careful, you know, yes, the meme might make you laugh. But putting it up on your status, taking it, saving it, and keeping it for yourself, it's, it's putting yourself, it's accepting whatever that man says. And a lot of these things, a lot of times, though they are funny skits, but they don't align with the gospel. They don't align with God's will for your life. And it matters what you are imbibing. It matters what you are believing. So they say that nobody has it all together. Yet that is not what God told us. At least today's devotional article is contradicting that statement. So be careful what you say. Be careful what you believe. Be careful what you imbibe, what you accept from the general public, from the world. If you listen to the message, living in two worlds, we are in this world, this physical world, where our physical body is thriving. We were doing the work of ministry, but we are not of this world. And the goal, God's desire for us while being in this physical world is to be able to subject this physical world to our heavenly world, to the dictates, to the lifestyles, to the doctrines, to the traditions, the principles, rules, and regulations of the world where we exist and where we heal from. So it matters what you are accepting and what you are imbibing. Nobody has it all together, but God is telling you that he wants you to have a balanced life. He wants you to be productive in your work, in your business, in your career. He wants you to have time for God. He wants you to have time for family. He wants your family to be doing well. He wants your children growing up strong in the faith. You see parents who say, I don't know what I did or my children are wayward. My... No, that's not God's will for your life. And you cannot accept it demon is at work you're going to have to cast out that demon and i may be talking to you and you say oh i don't have kids anymore maybe i'm talking about your brother your younger or elder brother or your younger or elder sister somebody who has turned out wrong in your family who is misbehaving contrary to god's will for your family it's time to cast out that demon um, um, the other day we were reading in this same rhapsody, we were talking about casting out devils, right? Go back to that article. You cast the devil out in the name of the Lord Jesus. So if you have a sibling, a loved one, a cousin, a nephew, a niece that's been acting funny, contrary to how God has planned for us to act 
and leave, cast out the devil and take charge of your family. Because you are reading today that this is God's will for your life, that your family is doing well. He said he wants the children to grow up strong in faith and in righteousness. And he said at the same time, increasing in the knowledge of God. Oh, how important the knowledge of God is. How important the knowledge of God is. You see, every day that we are here, you know, one of the biggest inspirations for us with starting this early morning devotions, the inspired by the whole, by the word devotion. It wasn't always a devotion. Inspired by the word as a group had existed since like 2018, if I'm not wrong, and Pastor Deborah. It was a WhatsApp group and there were things we were doing on that group. It was just myself and certain leaders who were all in the same team in church. And that's how we started inspired by the word. We just wanted more knowledge. We just wanted to go. It was inspired by the word group that evolved to become what it is today. And then we're having daily devotion. But it wasn't always like this. We, we were mostly inspired because we wanted to give more attention to increasing in the knowledge of God's word, especially using the one-year Bible study plan. We wanted to read the Bible every day. The Bible says my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We wanted to ensure that we were not lacking in that area. We wanted to ensure that we're gaining new knowledge every day. And that's how this whole devotion thing started. It was one of the biggest inspirations for us. So every day we are increasing in knowledge. Every day we hear the, the God's, God's word for ourselves. We read from the Old Testament, we read from the New Testament. And you know, I always would say that Jesus came to fulfill everything, all the requirements of the Old Testament. And he is our example. You know, reading the New Testament alone, you can tell who, who God is like. You can tell how God thinks, how he wants things done, and you can tell his perfect will for you. So it's just like you make a mistake and then you're feeling guilty, you want to condemn yourself. And then you come here and we read the story of the adulteress that was, that was found committing adultery. And then they brought her to Jesus and then they had all their stones. They were ready to stone her according to the law of Moses in the Old Testament. And then Jesus stood, stooped down on the ground and he wrote things on the ground, implying that he was changing what has been written by the law. Everything that Jesus did was symbolic. He, did, he was not passing time, stooping to the ground to write on the ground. He was rewriting the law of Moses that said, you must stone that person that was found in adultery. And then when he stood up, he told them, the one that is without sin, be the first to cast the stone. And then when they had all gone, he looked at the woman and he said, did anybody condemn you? The woman said, no. He said, neither do I. Go and say no more. So you made a mistake, why are you beating yourself? It's God's will for you not to condemn yourself. It's God's will for you to forgive, receive forgiveness. Do you know that the new creation doesn't require to ask for forgiveness? When you do something and you make a mistake, the fact that you are even feeling bad about it shows that it is not in your nature. Sin is in nature. And the child of God no longer has that nature of sin. He has the nature of God. It's a nature of righteousness. It's the reason you feel bad that you even made a mistake. And you don't require to ask for forgiveness. Just receive it. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. He didn't say to ask for mercy. Obtain it, receive it, collect it. So if you made a mistake, say, Father, I receive forgiveness in the name of the Lord Jesus. Move on. 
Move on, brother. Move on, sister. There are better and greater things to do with your life than wallowing in guilt and in the consciousness of your wrong. How important the knowledge of God is. The Bible says grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, Jesus our Lord. Second Peter 1 and verse 2. Do you want more grace in your life and peace multiplied unto you? Go for the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. God doesn't want you deficient in any area of life. In the 11th verse of Colossians 1. Paul continued in his prayer, declaring that you be strengthened with all might according to God's glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. You all know that line in our daily affirmation. You can be fruitful, very fruitful, productive and strong. God wants your life to be balanced and you can actualize this, his desire in your life by walking in the knowledge of his word. If there's one testimony that we have had consistently in this house is how that our lives began to take a new turn and a new trajectory since we started this devotion. And you know why? It is not because when you come here, Sister Maka is talking to you, Pastor Deborah is talking to you, Sister Joy is talking to you, Brother Doze is talking to you, Brother Martins is talking to you, and Brother John is talking to you. No, it's not about us that are connected. Yes, the grace is working in our lives. It is about the fact that we are doing that last, that last line. We are walking in the knowledge of his word. As we do, grace is multiplied in our lives. And this multiplied grace is showing, you know, the outworkings of grace. You find that where you had been rejected, you are now accepted, acceptability. You find favor. You find that the joy in your life has increased. You used to be depressed. You used to be sad. It is no longer like that. It is just the outworking of grace that comes by the increase of the word in your life. That's exactly what is happening. And even you as an individual, if you would give attention to your personal increase in knowledge of God's word, listening to message every day, the projected message a day, studying your Bible for yourself? Do you have different translations of the Bible? Do you go back to compare translations? Do you go back to check out scriptures? This further study that we read every day, as Sister Joy reads it, is that the end? Or do you go back to check it, to check the different translation? Do you go back to review this rhapsody? What is he saying? Brothers and sisters, anytime you need to make new progress, in your life, what you need is new is, is increased grace, and that grace comes by increasing the knowledge of God's word. When you have it, nobody can take it away from you. So, more for us, this grace is a natural way of life. They say, Amarak is grace, Amarak is grace. This is the secret, brothers and sisters. It is the secret, and that is your testimony. Most of us, since we joined inspired by the word, this is our testimony. Grace has increased. And because grace has increased, the outworkings of grace has increased. There's liberality, giving and receiving channel. Things are just working. They are getting better. We're just making progress and enjoying our lives. So enjoy this journey. Enjoy it every day, every time. Enjoy your personal work with God. Don't be too hard on yourself. God is just, he's liberal, he's impartial, and he loves you passionately. Passionately, passionately. If while we're yet seen as Christ died for us, while now that we're his children, he won't cast us away. 
I'm going to hand over to Sister Joy at this moment to take us through the further study and the Rhapsody prayer. Over to you, Sister Joy. God bless you, everyone. Thank you so much, Ma, for today's ministration. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening, depending on what part of the world you're connecting from. Um, we're reading from Hebrews 13, 20 to 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in its sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Third John 1, 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospered. Hallelujah. We're going to be taking the prayer together. You don't have to unmute your mic. Just repeat after me wherever you are. Praise God. Dear loving Father, thank you for giving me a perfect and balanced life. By your spirit that dwells in me, I'm fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of your word. As I please you in all things, fulfilling your purpose for my life, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, esteemed Sister Maka, for this opportunity. Right now, I would like to hand over to Brother Z to take us through the New Testament reading of the one-year Bible plan. Thank you so much, everyone, for your time. Have a very balanced day ahead. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sister Joy. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Depending on the part of the world you're connecting from, welcome to today's Inspired by the Word, Times of Devotion. Thank you so much, Sister Maka, for this amazing platform. I'll be going into the today's one-year Bible reading plan, and I'll be sharing my screen. We're reading the book of Acts, chapter 7, from verse 1 to 53. Praise God. I believe you can see my screen. I'm reading the message translation, and it's been a very, very amazing read. Praise God. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1. Then the chief priest said, what do you have to say for yourself? Stephen replied, Friends, fathers, and brothers, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was still in Mesopotamia before the move to Haran and told him, leave your country and family and go to the land I will show you. So he left the country of the Chaldeans and moved to Haran. After the death of his father, he migrated to his country where you now live. But God gave him nothing not so much as a foothold. He did promise to give the country to him and his son later on, even though Abraham had no son at the time. God let him know that his offspring will move to an alien country 
where they will be enslaved and brutalized for 400 years. But God said, I will step in and take care of those slaveholders and bring my people out so they can worship me in this place. Then he made a covenant with him and signed it in Abraham's flesh by circumcision. When Abraham had his son Isaac, within eight days, he reproduced the sign of circumcision in him. Isaac became father of Jacob and Jacob father of 12 fathers, each faithfully passing on the covenant sign. But then those fathers, burning up with jealousy, sent Joseph off to Egypt as a slave. God was right there with him, though. He not only rescued him from all his troubles, but brought him to the attention of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He was so impressed with Joseph that he put him in charge of the whole country, including his own personal affairs. Later, a famine descended on that entire region, stretching from Egypt to Canaan, bringing terrific hardship. Our hungry fathers looked high and low for food, but the cupboard was bare. Jacob had, had there was food in Egypt and sent our fathers to scout it out. Having confirmed the reports, they went back to Egypt a second time to get food. On that visit, Joseph revealed his true identity to his brothers and introduced the Jacob family to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent for his father, Jacob, and everyone else in the family, 75 in all. That's how the Jacob family got to Egypt. Jacob died and our fathers after him. They were taken to Shechem and buried in the tomb for which Abraham paid a good price to the sons of Hamor. When the 400 years were nearly up, the time God promised Abraham for deliverance, the population of our people in Egypt had become very large and there was now a king over Egypt who had never heard of Joseph. He exploited our race mercilessly. He went so far as forcing us to abandon our newborn infants, exposing them to the elements to die at cruel deaths. In such a time, Moses was born, a most beautiful baby. He was hidden at home for three months. When he could be hidden no longer, he was put aside and immediately rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, who murdered him as her own son. Moses was educated in the best schools in Egypt. He was equally impressive as a tinker and an athlete. When he was 40 years old, he wondered how everything was going with his Hebrew king and went out to look things over. He saw an Egyptian abusing one of them and stepped in, avenging his underdog brother by knocking the Egyptian flat. He thought his brothers would be glad that he was on their side and even see him as an instrument of God to deliver them but they didn't see it that way. The next day, two of them were fighting and he tried to break it up, told them to shake hands and get along with each other. Friends, you are brothers. Why are you beating up on each other? The one who had started the fight said, who put you in charge of us? Are you going to kill, kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, Realizing that the word was out, he ran for his life and lived in exile over in Midian. During the years of exile, two sons were born to him. Forty years later, in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to him 
in the guise of flames of a burning bush. Moses, not believing his eyes, went up to take a closer look. He heard God's voice. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Frightened nearly out of his skin, Moses shut his eyes and turned away. God said, kneel and pray. You are in a holy place on holy ground. I have seen the agony of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans. I have come to help them. So get yourself ready. I'm sending you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses whom they earlier rejected saying, who put you in, in charge of us? This is the Moses that God using the angel flaming in the burning bush sent back as ruler and redeemer. He led them out of their slavery. He did wonderful things, setting up God's signs all through Egypt, down at the Red Sea and out in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to his congregation, God will rise up a prophet just like me from your descendants. This is the Moses who stood between the angel speaking at Sinai and your fathers assembled in the wilderness and took the life-giving words given to him and handed them over to us. Words our fathers will have nothing to do with. They craved the old Egyptian ways, whining to Aaron. Make us gods we can see and follow. This Moses who got us out here miles from nowhere, who knows what happened to him? That was the time when they made a calf idol, brought sacrifices to it and congratulated each other on the wonderful religious program they had put together. God wasn't at all pleased, but he let them do it their way. Worship every new God that came down the pike and live with the consequences, consequences described by the prophet Amos. Did you bring me offerings of animals and grains those 40 wilderness years, O Israel? Hardly. You were too busy building shrines to war gods, to sex goddesses, worshipping them with all your might. That's why I put you in exile in Babylon. And all this time, our ancestors had a tent shrine for true worship, made to the exact specifications God provided Moses. They had it with them as they followed Joshua. When God created the land of pagans, when God cleared the land of pagans and still had it right down to the time of David, David asked God for a permanent place for worship, but Solomon built it. Yet that doesn't mean that most, the, that doesn't mean that most high God lives in a building made by carpenters and masons. The prophet Isaiah put it well when he wrote, heaven is my throne. I rest my feet on earth. So what kind of house will you build me, says God, where I can get away and relax? It's already built and I built it. And you continue so bullheaded, colors on your hearts, flaps on your ears, deliberately ignoring the Holy Spirit. You are just like your ancestors. Was there ever a prophet who didn't get the same treatment? Your ancestors killed anyone who dared talk about the coming of the just one? And you have kept up the family tradition. Traitors and murderers, all of you. You had God's law handed to you by angels, gift wrapped, and you squandered it. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word in our hearts. In Jesus' name. It's 53. So write down, hand over to Brother John.
who will take us through the Old Testament by reading plan. Have a blessed day. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much, Brother Duzier. That was a short summary of the Old Testament of me, what we've been reading so far. Hallelujah. Okay, we'll be proceeding to the Old Testament right now. A big thank you to esteemed Sister Maka for this opportunity. And um, <clears throat> I'm reading the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 29 and 30. A caption, King Hezekiah. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old and was king in Jerusalem for 29 years. His mother was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. In God's opinion, he was a good king. He kept to the standards of his ancestor David. In the first month of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah, having prepared the doors of the temple of God, threw them open to the public. He assembled the priests and Levites in the court on the east side and said, Levites, listen, consecrate yourselves and consecrate the temple of God. Give this much defiled place a good house cleaning. Our ancestors went wrong and lived badly before God. They discarded him, turned away from this house where we meet with God and walked off. They boarded up the doors, turned out the lights, and cancelled all the acts of worship of the God of Israel in the holy temple. And because of that, God's anger fled up, and it turned those people into a public exhibit of disaster, a moral history lesson. Look and read. This is why our ancestors were killed, and this is why our wives and sons and daughters were taken prisoner and made slaves. I have decided to make a covenant with the God of Israel and turn history around so that God will no longer be angry with us. Children, don't, bra don't drag your feet in this. God has chosen you to take your place before him in to serve in conducting and leading worship. This is your life work. Make sure you do it and do it well. The Levites stood at attention. Mahath, son of Amasai, and Joel, son of Azariah, from the Kohathites, Kish, son of Abdai, and Azariah, son of Jah Jahalileu, from the Merarites, Joah, son of Zima, and Eden, son of Joah, from the Geshonites, Shimrai, and Jeel, sons of Elizaphan, Zechariah, and Metaniah, sons of Asaph, Jehiel, and Shimei, of the family of Heman, Shemaiah, and Uziel, of the family of Jeduthun, represented themselves and their brothers, consecrated themselves and set to work, cleaning up the temple of God as the king had directed, as God directed. The priests started from the inside and walked out. They emptied the place of the accumulation of defiling junk, pagan rubbish that had no business in that holy place. And the Levites hauled it off to the Kidron Valley. They began the temple cleaning on the first day of the first month, and on the eighth day, they had walked their way out to the posh. Eight days it took them to clean and consecrate the temple itself. And in eight days, and in eight more days, they had finished the entire temple complex. 
Then they reported to Hezekiah the king. We have cleaned up the entire temple of God, including the altar of whole burnt offering and the table of the bread of the presence of their, with their furnishings. We have also cleaned up the, and consecrated all the vessels which King Ahaz had gotten rid of during his misrule. Take a look. We have repaired them. They are all there in front of the altar of God. And Hezekiah the king went to work. He got all the leaders of the city together and marched to the temple of God. They brought with them seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, and seven eagles to sacrifice as an absolution offering for the royal family, for the sanctuary, and for Judah as a whole. Directed the Aaronite priests to sacrifice them on the altar of God. The priest butchered the bulls and then took the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. And then the same with the rams and lambs. Finally, they brought the goats up. The king and congregation laid their hands upon them. The priests butchered them and made an absolution offering with their blood on the altar to atone for the sin of all Israel. The king had ordered that the whole burnt offering and the absolution offering be for all Israel. The king ordered the Levites to take their places in the temple of God with their musical instruments, cymbals, harps, zithers, following the original instructions of David. God, the king's seer, and later the prophets, this was God's command conveyed by his prophets. The Levites formed the orchestra of David, while the priests took up the trumpets. Verse 27, then Hezekiah gave the signal to begin. The whole bond offering was offered on the altar. At the same time, the sacred choir began singing, backed up by the, by the trumpets and the David orchestra, while the entire congregation worshipped. The singers sang and the trumpeters played all during the sacrifice of the whole bond offering. When the offering of the sacrifice was completed, the king and everyone there knelt to the ground and worshipped. Then Hezekiah, the king, and the leaders told the Levites to finish things off with anthems of praise to God using lyrics by David and Asaph the seer. They sang their praises with joy and reverence and kneeling in worship. Hezekiah then made this response. The dedication is complete. You are consecrated to God. Now you are ready. Come forward and bring your sacrifices and thank offerings to the temple of God. And come they did. Everyone in the congregation brought sacrifices and thanksgiving offerings. And some, overflowing with generosity, even brought whole bunch offerings. A generosity expressed in 70 bulls, a hundred rams, and 200 lambs. For all, all for whole bond offerings for God. The total number of animals consecrated for sacrifice that day amounted to 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep. They ran out of priests qualified to slaughter all the whole bond offerings. So their brother Levite stepped in and helped out while other priests consecrated themselves for the work. It turned out that the Levites had been more responsible in making sure they were properly consecrated than the priests had been. Besides the overflow of Hoban offerings, there were also choice pieces for the peace offerings and lavish libations. Libations that went with the Hoban offerings. The worship in the temple of God was on a firm footing again. Hezekiah and the congregation celebrated. God had established a firm foundation for the lives of the people and so quickly. As we read, there's something I notice 
that I would like to bring to attention is the fact that every time the children of Israel mess, messed up and they faced the consequences, immediately they turn back to God. Immediately, God responds to them as though they never sinned. He responds to them immediately. So bringing it to us or to our day here, don't run away from God, irrespective of what you have done or what may have happened. There's nowhere you are running to than to Him. If you run away from God, who are you running away to? Irrespective of the situation or the mistake, quickly run back to Him. He's always there. And immediately He would respond to you. I just thought to, to say that Okay, um, we move over to chapter 30 now. Then Hezekiah invited all of Israel and Judah with personal letters to Ephraim and Manasseh to come to the temple of God in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover of Israel's God. The king and his officials and the congregation in Jerusalem had decided to celebrate Passover in the second month. They hadn't been able to celebrate it at a regular time because not enough of the priests were yet personally prepared and the people hadn't had time to gather in Jerusalem. Under these circumstances, the revised date was approved by both king and people and they sent out an invitation from one end of the country to the other, from Beersheba in the south to Dan in the north, come and celebrate the Passover to Israel's God in Jerusalem. No one living had ever celebrated it properly. The king gave the orders and the couriers delivered the invitations from the king and his leaders throughout Israel and Judah. The invitation read, O Israelites, come back to God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, so that he can return to you who have survived the praying kings of Assyria. Don't repeat the sins of your ancestors who turned their backs on God the God of the ancestors, who then brought them to reign. You can see the reins all around you. Don't be bullheaded as your ancestors were. Clasp God's outstretched hand. Come to his temple of holy worship, consecrated for all time. Serve God, your God. You will no longer be in danger of his hot hunger. If you come back to God, your captive relatives and children will be treated compassionately and allowed to come home. Your God is gracious and kind and won't snub you. Come back, and he will welcome you with open arms. Verse 10. So the couriers set out, going from city to city, through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh, as far north as Zebulun. But the people poked fun at them, treated them as a joke, but not all. Some from Ashar, Manasseh, and Zebulun weren't too proud to accept the invitation and come to Jerusalem. It was better in Judah. God worked powerfully among them to make it unanimous, responding to the orders sent out by the king and his officials, others backed up by the word of God. It turned out that they were, there was a tremendous crowd of people. When the time came in the second month to celebrate Passover, sometimes called the Feast of Unraised Bread, first they went to work and got rid of all the pagan altars that were in Jerusalem, hauled them off and dumped them in the Kidron Valley, 
Then on the 14th day of the second month, they slaughtered the Passover lambs. The priests and Levites weren't ready. But now, embarrassed in their laziness, they consecrated themselves and brought whole burnt offerings to the temple of God. Ready now, they stood at their post as designated by the revelation of Moses, the holy man. The priests sprinkled the blood, the Levites handed to them, because so many in the congregation had not properly prepared themselves by consecration, and so were not qualified. The Levites took charge of the slaughter of the Passover lambs so that they would be properly consecrated to God. There were a lot of people, especially those from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulon, who did not eat the Passover meal because they had not prepared themselves adequately. Ezekiah prayed for these as follows. May God who is all good, pardon and forgive everyone who sincerely desires God, the God of our ancestors. Even especially these who do not meet the literal conditions stated for access to the temple. God responded to Ezekiah's prayer and healed the people. All the Israelites present in Jerusalem celebrated the Passover, feast of unraised bread for seven days, celebrated exuberantly. The Levites and priests praised God day after day, filling the air with praise sounds of percussion and brass. Hezekiah commended the Levites for the superb way in which they had led the people in the worship of God. When the feast and festival, that glorious seven days of worship, the making of offerings and the praising of God, the God of the ancestors, were over, the tables cleared and the floor swept, they all decided to keep going for another seven days. So they just kept on celebrating and as joyfully as they began. Hezekiah, king of Judah, gave 1,000 bulls and 7,000 sheep for the congregation's worship. Officials gave an additional 1,000 bulls and 10,000 sheep. And, they were, and there turned out to be plenty of consecrated priests, qualified and well prepared. The whole congregation of Judah, the priests and Levites, the congregation that came in from Israel, and the resident aliens from both Israel and Judah were all in on the joyous celebration. Jerusalem was bursting with joy. Nothing like this had taken place in Jerusalem since Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, had built and dedicated the temple. The priests and Levites had the last word. They stood and blessed the people, and God listened. Listened as the ascending sound of their prayers entered this holy heaven. Praise be unto God. Lord bless the reading of his word and I hand over to Brother Matthias. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Brother John. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Okay, we're heading straight to the affirmation segment of this meeting. Praise the Lord. Our formation, we start by taking affirmation by starting with our names. My name is to say your name. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. The next paragraph, I, your name, I'm granted according to the riches of the glory of Christ. The third paragraph, my name is the of the of the of 
Praise the Lord. Okay, we're going straight to the communion segment at this point. And our text is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Praise the Lord. For I receive of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. This too, in remembrance of me. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. For the body of Christ that was broken for us. We declare this day that we are blood washed, we are sanctified, we are glorified. Thank you, Father, for separating us unto sanctification. We give you praise, we worship you. You alone are God. In Jesus' name, go ahead and break the bread and eat it. After the same manner also, he took the cup. When he had given thanks. After the same manner also, he took the cup. When he had stopped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you. For the cup of the New Testament in the blood of Christ. We declare in the name of the Lord Jesus as we take this cup. The consummation of the redemptive power of Christ is at work in us. We go forth with the mark of Christ on us, being favored and graced. Everywhere we go is blessings, blessings, favor and grace, all true. 
by the power of the Holy Ghost. We break barriers in the name of the Lord Jesus. We press in, we overtake, we conquer, we win, we rule, we rule by the power of the Holy Ghost. They can never be a no for us. It is yes, yes, and yes, because we bear the mark of Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take the cup. Oh, Shagro Dila Grosso Branikluras, Siskina Krabilandi, Maglero Koso Branijala Manta Lubra E, Zelikros Kijo Frapadila Garadila Grose, Juprongli Cross Opera Ila Andra Ishta. Oh, Shaka Tegizushalim India. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, everyone. At this point, I'll hand over back to the Estina Marak to take us through the many parts of the meeting. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, esteemed Brother Mathings. Thank you, Brother John, Brother Duzi, Sister Joy, Pastor Debbie. Thank you for impacting us with the investments of your spirits today. We're grateful. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for joining today's devotional. You've heard the words and return with testimonies. Have a most beautiful day. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember that it's a flood of blessings and things are getting better. Let's unmute as we share the benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely, God goodness and mercy for us all the days of our lives, and we dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. For those just joining us, the link to the Telegram group is on the chat, so you can click to join. Thank you so much. God bless you, everyone. Amen. Thank you, Mark. God bless you, too, Mark. Amen.